Welcome to Nationwide Market Insights for February 27th, 2024. Where could investors move their money when rates go lower? After a very long tightening cycle, the FOMC is poised to lower the Fed funds rate this year. When could this happen? And how low could rates go? And how could this impact investment strategies? This is Brian Kirk, and with me today we have Nationwide's Chief Economist, Kathy Bostancic, and Nationwide Chief of Investment Research, Mark Hackett. Kathy, Mark, thanks for joining us today. Kathy, let's start with you. What's our current outlook on when Fed funds rates may be lowered, and by how much? Well, thanks, Brian. As you indicated, the Fed Reserve over the previous two years has really aggressively hiked interest rates. In fact, the Fed funds rate has been at 5% or higher since the middle of last year. So that's been an interesting development in, in terms of monetary policy and also the impact on, on investors. We do think that the inflation dynamics are playing out in a way that the Federal Reserve will be able to start cutting rates this year. Our official forecast still remains um, that they begin in May and they start with 25 basis points. And then by the end of the year, they will have cut rates by one full percentage point. But it, it's worth noting, of course, that recent inflation data, um, the CPI for January, particularly surprised on the upside. We're waiting to see what the January as we're doing this podcast, personal consumption price index will show in for, for the month of January, because it's really the PCE inflation that the Fed Reserve targets, and, and they want to get it down to 2%. But what we saw uh, with the CPI data, which moves in close tandem with um, the PCE inflation, is that inflation actually accelerated particularly if you look at a three-month annualized rate. And, and that's important because it does annualize the rate, but it also captures the most recent data. And uh, as opposed to like a year-on-year rate, which looks back over the last 12 months. So we saw an, an acceleration in January back towards for core CPI, so excluding food and energy, back towards 4%. It had been as low, if you looked at August of uh, last year, 26 the core PCE uh, inflation data. Now, again, we'll be getting the January data in a few days, but as of December, that had slipped below 2%. So that was very encouraging and had the financial markets thinking, wow, uh, you know, maybe maybe they'll even cut rates in March. In fact, if we go back a few months ago, the markets were even pricing some probability of even a January cut. Of course, that didn't happen. March looks very unlikely. The markets have reduced quite sharply, the odds for even the the uh, policy easing to start in May, they've reduced that to just 21%. So again, our baseline still remains May, but we also acknowledge that the inflation data are proving a bit stickier than even we thought. And also worth noting that overall GDP growth and, and consumer spending in the labor market all started the year off rather strong. So suggests that maybe June or even later is is more likely for the the start of the easing cycle. I think regardless of the exact month the Fed starts to to cut rates, the more importantly is is the degree and the speed by which they they cut rates. And and there we have a, a pretty moderate reduction in in rates. 
and part of that is because we also see economic growth slowing as we get to the middle part of the year, and we still see uh, the chances that there's disappointment. We don't actually get this soft landing that really the markets have priced in. Some people think we're going to have no landing. Then if you look at the 2025, so a little bit more in the crystal ball, we see the Fed uh, cutting rates um, another 125 basis points. So getting to 3% by the fourth quarter of 2025. But they really don't get back to what we would say is their neutral rate, two and a half, until the middle of 2026. So it's a pretty slow and gradual cutting of, of rates compared to you know previous history. And really, it is contingent, our, our forecast that we get 100 basis points of, of, of rate reduction is that inflation starts to trend lower and, and also that economic activity slows as well. Well, thank you, Kathy. Let's go ahead and bring Mark in on this discussion. So, Mark, how have investors acted differently in this cycle than in the past? And what do you see changing over the next 12 months? Yeah, thanks, Brian. Yeah, I spend a lot of time looking at the technicals of the market. Uh, that's just a fancy way of saying I look at supply and demand for risk assets. You know, so sentiment, flow trends, risk indicators, they do tend to follow a fairly consistent pattern, uh, particularly at inflection points for the market. Now, this current cycle, as we all know, has been very unique uh, in many different ways, uh, but I wanted to highlight two specifically. You know, first, we generally trust bond investors to be the adult in the room. Uh, that is, they normally trade with much less emotion than the equity market. Uh, this has absolutely not been the case this cycle. Uh, we've seen the absolute level of the movement in rates, uh, but also the volatility in rates, uh, the rapid shift in expectations for Fed policy, uh, and then actual volatility as measured by the move index. They've all reflected very elevated emotion uh, and volatility in the equity market's been far more modest if you look at the VIX. You know, an example of this, you know, going back to Kathy's uh, point from a second ago, the Fed futures curve is now less aggressive in the easing cycle than is embedded in the dot plot if you look at the end of 2024. Uh, you could have won a lot of bar bets just a couple of months ago uh, with that convergence. Uh, and then the second observation is similar. You know, retail investors have actually been far less reactive this cycle than institutional investors. Your retail investors have consistently been adding to their balanced set of investments, you know, the, in terms of cash, equities, and bonds, really since the pandemic began. Uh, if you look at to date in 2024, we've seen about $74 billion allocated to equities, about $99 billion to bonds, and $195 billion to money markets. Now, fund managers, on the other hand, uh, they've been pretty aggressively shifting. Uh, they went from a very historical overweight near the market peak in November 2021 to a historical underweight a year ago. And now we've gradually moved back uh, to current overweight uh, as of the last monthly reading. So there's been a lot of volatility and you know, arguably emotion for institutional investors, while retail investors have actually been a little bit more uh, Stay steady in their allocations. Now, you asked what we look at going forward. Uh, there's a lot of debate right now about the concept of dry powder. You know, I mentioned money market assets have gained. Uh, they gained about $1.4 trillion over the past year. The total amount of money markets is about $6 trillion right now. That breaks down to about 40% retail, about 60% institutional. Now, for context, that equates to about 15% 
of the market cap of the S&P 500. So not insignificant total at this point. Now, you look historically, when you start to see short-term rates, Fed funds begin to decline, investors tend to rush back into risk assets, seeing that they've kind of top-ticked the short-term rates. Uh, that might be, in this current cycle, a little optimistic. Uh, it, you know, it's very dangerous to say it's different this time, but in some cases, I think that it might be a little bit different this time. You know, first, not all of the $1.4 trillion came from risk assets. Uh, a lot of this was reallocation from bank deposits. Uh, we're getting much better rates of return in money markets than banks at this part. So that may not be a parking place. That might actually be an allocation decision. And second, you know, it's been a decade since we've seen money market rates anywhere near this compelling. Uh, so, you know, the, that's another allocation decision. And then finally, you have the yield curve still very sharply inverted. So it's not clear that investors are really looking to extend duration uh, uh, given, a, you know, if we get a, a couple of rate cuts this year. Uh, it is a reasonable bet, however, that retail investors will continue to steadily add to equities and bonds. Uh, that track record's been pretty clear at this point. I think institutional investors will continue to trend follow, uh, moving to a, a little bit more of a risk-on approach. Uh, and then what we didn't mention is corporate activity. So share repurchases are trending towards about a trillion dollars a year. And then we have M&A activity was starting to pick up as well. So there's a lot of demand to shares right now from a lot of different sources uh, and really not a ton of supply, uh, which would be given by the IPO market. Uh, so that imbalance, I think, is what's caused a lot of the market strength recently. And, and one work gives me some cautious optimism going forward. Well, thank you, Mark. Let's follow up with Kathy now. Kathy, earlier you talked about the pace of the loosening of monetary policy. How could the Fed's loosening of monetary policy this time be different than previous times? So there is an old adage when it comes to um, watching the Federal Reserve and how they change policy rates throughout the business cycle. And, and the adage is they raise rates like they're going up an escalator. And then when they start to cut rates, it's like they're going down an elevator. This time that has been flipped. Once they realized that inflation wasn't going to be transitory, that it was going to be more persistent, they then um, had to really accelerate the tightening of policy. And that's when they took the elevator ride up. And we had four meetings in a row where they ratcheted the, the Fed funds rate up 75 basis points. But coming down, it's more of an escalator. And the start of that downward ride, as we talked about earlier, has been being pushed off a bit because the economy has been just so resilient. Employment growth um, actually picked up in December, January. Consumer spending ended the year 2023, very strong footing. And we have, even though retail sales were weak in January, we just have a lot of momentum coming into the first quarter. And as I said earlier, inflation surprised to the upside, particularly in the service area. So service inflation, which is rental inflation and and also non-housing service inflation has been running, you know, quite quite high. And 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 some of that on the service side is is tied back to the demand shift, right? We came out of COVID and went from goods to services. Consumers had a lot of pent up savings and pent up demand. But also, there's been a still a shortfall in the labor market in the service side of the economy. Even though supply demand balance in the labor market has improved, you still have 1.4 jobs available for one 
every one person unemployed. So what it's done is, is, is kept wage growth at an elevated pace. So you have inflation and uh, wage growth at an elevated pace. And that signals to the Federal Reserve that you know, maybe they need to go even more slowly than perhaps previously thought. What they don't want to do is, you know, start to cut rates and sort of, in a sense, re-stimulate the economy and inflation. And then you have a repeat of um, the episode they had in the 1970s, uh, where they didn't completely slay inflation. And it had a way for Paul Volcker to come in in 1979 to to slay the inflation dragon. So that's why the Fed, we think, is going to err on the side of being cautious and even being a bit late here to cut rates. But that said, we do think, you know, we get, including the uh, PC inflation report, we'll get in a few days, including that one, we get three full in- inflation monthly inflation readings before the May reading. We think that will give the Fed enough uh, ammunition to start cutting rates. But again, it will be gradual. And it may even it may not always be you know even it may not be you know every meeting or every other meeting they'll really be very highly you know data dependent in this period it is as Mark said earlier it's just been a completely unique business cycle right post COVID and and they want to really make sure and have a high degree of confidence inflation is going back to two percent because their biggest mistake you know we've heard from Chairman Powell isn't necessarily engineering a recession it's not getting inflation back towards you know two percent uh, over the medium to to long term. So, and I guess given that as a backdrop, the Fed is just going to go much more gradually this time. Mark, how do you see that um, influencing in investors and you know the equity market? And as you said, the bond market you know tends to be more the adults, but also equity investors uh, have also been very you know, clued into and focused on, you know, what the Federal Reserve is going to do. Yeah, for sure. Uh, You know, you're the economist of the call. So you're obviously long familiar with the concept that good news is bad news, but it's something it's still very hard for me to get adjusted to. Uh, You know, you start back, you know, historically, really with the long-term capital market uh, situation in 1998. Ever since then, as you know, the Fed's become increasingly transparent um, and arguably interventionist. Uh, in in terms of supporting capital markets, you know the concept of the Fed put has really influenced investors. You know, strong economic data has led to sell-offs pretty consistently over the years. Uh, mainly, as you can you know guess, because of the anticipated shift in Fed policy. But for much of this cycle, that phenomenon actually hasn't held. Uh, as I noted, you know the equity market has become less reactive to things that really would have driven volatility historically, you know, not only Federal Reserve activity, but also geopolitics, uh, inflation concerns, uh, you know, some some of the political uncertainty uh, that exists. That really hasn't driven volatility in the markets right now. And I think that that's going back to my, my previous comments, an indication of a bit of a healthier, less emotional market. You know, we've seen 15 positive weeks in equities in the past 17 We've jumped 25% in just the past four months. That's at the same time that we've seen the expectation for Fed rate cuts go from six to three in 2024, uh, at least in the curve. And as you noted earlier, you know, with some inflation data uh, surprising to the upside. So if you could imagine 12, 18, 24 months, you know, Fed rate policy shi- uh, expectations shifting this rapidly, 
and inflation data surprising the upside, yet the market is calm and strong. Um, I think we would absolutely take that. You know, one of the most interesting takeaways since last October, uh, as I kind of alluded to earlier, all the things that had heightened volatility in the last several years really isn't budging the market. So you mentioned Fed hawkishness, geopolitical uncertainty, you know, upside inflation, the threats of a government shutdown, which is a new one, um, and then also some cautious management commentary recently in the earnings season. You know, historically, a shift in the expectations of the Fed policy would have absolutely derailed the risk on, on story. Uh, it's not really clear, though, from recent data that that's going to be the case this time. Well, thank you, Mark. You know, as we wrap up today's discussion, Kathy, Mark, what are some of the closing comments you'd like to share with our audience? Yeah, thanks, Brian. You know, as we discussed, um, you know, with the Federal Reserve, you know, center and front for them is uh, the inflation data. They may question that, the, you know, why the economy is remaining so resilient. But at the end of the day, it's really inflation that's going to drive their policy decisions. And in that light, you know, the recent data have been a little bumpy and just underscores they're going to be very gradual in and in, in reducing uh, rates and um, kind of continue to be here, I think, for the next few months, a wait and see mode. But we do think, you know, sometime by the middle part of, of this year, they will be uh, able to start the, the rate uh, cutting uh, process. Uh, yeah, from a market perspective, really the most successful investment strategy we've seen since really the beginning of the pandemic has been contrarianism. Investors have been too bullish. It generally has made sense to be bearish uh, and certainly vice versa as well. You know, this, in my view, is due to some of the really unusual aspects of the cycle, uh, along with, frankly, the the pretty existential nature of the past two recessions. You know, we've seen some scar tissue develop on psychology. Uh, so we're not necessarily seeing the behaviors that we've seen in the past. You know, in October of 2022, uh, and really, again, last October, sentiment among investors, executives, fund managers, even economists, they were all really universally pessimistic. Uh, that pendulum is pretty aggressively shifted over the past four months. Really, the bear market argument has has taken quite a beating over that time. So as you sit here today, I don't see any necessarily prevalent signs of excess yet, but we're watching very closely because you can get periods here where the pendulum shifts a little too aggressively to the optimistic. So, you know, as I mentioned earlier, we remain cautiously optimistic on equities, but we obviously acknowledge with the movie seen just year to date, but also since October, a lot of the low hanging fruit has likely been picked. Uh, so we should be a little bit reasonable in our expectations going forward. Mark and Kathy, thank you so much for your insight today. We will continue to monitor the economy and financial markets and keep a close eye on what the Fed chair says at the FOMC meeting in March. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast so you can receive notifications for each new episode. Until next time, for Nationwide Market Insights, this is Brian Kirk. The information provided by Nationwide Economics is general in nature and not intended as investment or economic advice or a recommendation to buy or sell any security or adopt any investment strategy. Additionally, it does not take into account any specific investment objectives, tax, or financial condition or particular needs of any specific person. The economic and market forecasts reflect our opinion as of the date of this report and are subject to change without notice. These forecasts show a broad range of possible outcomes. Because they are subject to high levels of uncertainty, they will not reflect actual performance. We obtain certain information 
information from sources deemed reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, completeness, or fairness. Nationwide Fund Distributors, LLC, is a member of FINRA, Columbus, Ohio. Nationwide and the Nationwide Inn and Eagle are service marks of the Nationwide Mutual Insurance Company. Copyright 2024, Nationwide.